What can we say, Father? You gave up your only son to make a way for us to be able to sing with joy, for us to have a relationship with you, for us to be restored, to be reconciled. What you went through on the cross, Lord Jesus, we can't even imagine. Rejected, alone, trampled, spit upon, the crown of thorns, Father, the beatings that you um, allowed your son, that he willingly took upon himself, and you were in agony, and your son was in agony. And we just are so incredibly humbled and grateful as we come to you today that we can be here together as brothers and sisters, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that we can come to the cross, that we can bring our sins, that we can bring our struggles, that you have paid for it all on the cross, that we have life. We have life because of your death, Lord Jesus, your death and resurrection. And not only do we have life, but we have a way that we can live in the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. We have a way that we can live abundant life. So, Father, we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would open the eyes of our heart today, that you would allow us to see you more clearly, to know you more deeply, and to follow you more nearly. We cannot do this apart from your Holy Spirit. We are totally dependent on your work in our lives. And so we come in weakness and we ask that you would be our strength, that you would be our vision that you would be our joy today, that you would encourage and equip us, Lord, to follow you closely throughout this week, to rest in your love. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. This is the New Living Translation. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. 
For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Wow. This book, this letter, this letter that, wrote, that uh, Paul wrote to his dear friends in Philippi, the Philippian church, was written from prison, and it is the most joyful book in the Bible. And it was, he was likely attached, chained to a Roman guard as he wrote the book. And the word joy is used in the short four chapters of this letter. Uh, the word joy is used 16 times. This, um, this little church in Philippi had a very dramatic beginning, actually. And we're going to learn more about that beginning in a few minutes because it tells about how this church began in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to go there in a few minutes. But first, I want you to notice how much he packs into this greeting. The first verse of this letter to the Philippians, which is about, some scholars think about 12 years after the church was established, he's in prison again and writes this letter back to his friends in Philippi. And they've, they've grown, they've developed, they've established more. Um, but just listen in verse one, or one and two, how much is packed in there. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Right there in the address, the way they address themselves. Um, the NIV uses the word servants, but the literal translation is slaves. And Paul's saying that they belong body, mind, and spirit to Christ, and they want to be subject to Christ in everything. Would you call yourselves slaves of Christ Jesus? Would you greet people that way? I'm Stephanie. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. I belong body, mind, and spirit to my Lord and Savior. And then he goes on and he says the recipients, interesting how he addresses it to all of God's people. He doesn't say the leaders first or whatever. He says all of God's holy people. And perhaps there was a danger of a faction going on, and that's why he's addressing them all. Um, then he specifically goes on to mention the leaders and the overseers. But perhaps, because later in uh, chapter 2, we see that Paul says, each of you, chapter 2, verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So perhaps... Uh, there was something going on that, the, that he wanted to emphasize unity. This is for all of you. You're all a family. You are all God's holy people. And this call and remi these reminders are for all of you. So they are slaves, and this is to all of God's holy people. But then in, in um, the NIV, it says saints, actually. 
I'm writing to uh, all the saints in Christ Jesus. And one commentator actually says that this phrase, in Christ Jesus, or its equivalent, appears many, many, many times in this letter, indicating that Christ is the very environment of the Christian life. Believers live and move within the orbit of his will, his grace, and his presence. In Christ Jesus. It's the environment that we live in as Christians, in Christ Jesus, Christ. We find life united by faith in him, and we cannot live as we should apart from him. We are in Christ Jesus. That's a very important phrase to take note of. And saints, we're saints in Christ Jesus. We have access to God's peace because we've received his grace through Christ Jesus. So he says grace and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot packed in right into that little greeting. Then we move on, and in verse 3 and 4, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. So think about it. He's not moaning and groaning about the fact that he's chained to a Roman guard or he's in prison. He is so thankful and so joyful as he remembers these people. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm going to skip over verse 6 for a minute, come back to it. It's right for me, this I'm re- now reading from the NIV to give you a different version, so if it doesn't match that. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And he says in the New Living, you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of good news. So Paul's saying either I'm in prison for Jesus Christ or I'm out there defending and confirming the truth and sharing the gospel. So I'm, well, it's all about Christ. His environment is Christ. It's bringing glory to Christ, whether he's in prison or he's out there sharing the gospel. So let's go back and we're going to look at Acts chapter 16 and the reason why, um, the reason why this church started with such joy right from the beginning. Um, you don't have to worry about putting it up there on the screen. I'm just going to be referring to little bits of it. So Acts 16 verse 11 Uh, From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. So she knew God, but she didn't yet know the message of Jesus Christ. And so the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members, uh, sorry, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the beginning of the Philippian church. They went out to the river and 
they thought, okay, there's probably a place of worship often where the people gathered for prayer. And sure enough, here's Lydia, this dealer in purple cloth. And she was a worshiper of God. She knew God. And immediately they, sa- they shared the message of Christ. And she and her whole household believed and were baptized, invited them to stay, and this begins the Philippian church. People came on board, and it's a beautiful thing, but then immediately they begin uh, experiencing resistance. So what happens next is there's this girl who has a demon, and because of that demon, she's able to predict the future. And so she's making all sorts of money for her owners, and... um, Finally, after a while, she keeps tormenting Paul and um, Silas and, and, yeah, Paul and Silas. And she keeps shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. And finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Well... The owners were in were absolutely furious because they could no longer make the money that they were making from this girl and the predictions she was making of the future. So they, they riled up the crowd. The crowd joined in. Paul and Silas get thrown in prison. So this is the beginning of the Philippian church, okay? Paul and Silas get thrown in prison, and they're not phased by this. They get beaten, they get flogged, and they're in there singing hymns, all right? And they are praying and singing hymns to God. About midnight, Paul and Silas, this we're skipping over to verse 25, they're praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So, so far we have Lydia and her whole family. We have a jailer and his whole family and all their friends and people hearing the gospel and seeing this response. And the the church is born in Philippi. So awesome. An incredible joy and incredible persecution. Incredible persecution. And that chapter 16 of Acts finishes that, um, you know, the magistrates find out they're Roman citizens and, and, and of course, are um, quite 
what Paul is saying, you know, they beat us publicly without a trial, which was a terrible no-no. And um, even though we're Roman citizens and threw us into prison, and now they want to get rid of us quietly? I don't think so, actually. Let them come out and escort us out. So the magistrates, the officers report this, and the magistrates, of course, want to appease them when they found out they were Roman citizens. And so they came to appease them and escorted them from the the prison, requesting them to leave the city. But you know what Paul did? He went straight, Paul and Silas, after they came out of prison, they went straight to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them, and then they left. Okay? So the the magistrates asked them to leave. They were scared of what was happening, but they said, no, first we're going to go. We're going to encourage the church. And then they moved on. And so now we're hitting this letter of, Philippians about letter to the Philippian church about 12 years they think later when Paul is in again in prison experiencing um, great difficulty and he is writing with incredible joy because he this whole church was established in joy these incredible responses of yeah I'm gonna believe I'm this message and my whole family we're gonna respond in um, baptism we're going to respond in defending and confirming the truth of the gospel so Paul is saying they've stuck with him this whole time they whether he's been in prison whether he has been out of prison they have been bold because they experienced persecution right from the start right right from that he modeled doesn't matter what's happening to you whether you're in prison you can sing you can pray you God's going to take care of you God has a plan and he is birthing this church out of suffering just as he has brought life out of the cross of Jesus Christ there is no true abundant life without suffering there is nothing that when we when God brings us to a place of abundant life in him it is always through struggle and suffering it is always through because that's the way of the cross as christians we follow the example of our lord and savior jesus christ who through his death came through it provided life and came out the other side with resurrection and that was the first fruits and what we will experience and this whole book of of this whole letter to the philippians is about that To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's chapter 1, verse 21, and it is the key verse, one of the key verses of Philippians. Paul is saying this, it's all about Christ. It doesn't matter what's going on in your circumstances. Yes, it matters to Christ, but it doesn't steal the true deep joy that Christ can give in that because joy is unshakable. Happiness is temporary. But joy is unshakable because it is rooted in the fact that God has made a way through his son Jesus for life. And that's why we have joy no matter what is going on. So the most joyous book in the Bible comes from the pen of an author chained to a Roman guard. And even the normally depressing state of imprisonment didn't bother Paul. He said, this is just another example. The people here need to know of the good, uh, the, the goodness of God to send his son Jesus. So prisoners and jailers and all sorts of people were coming to know the Lord. 
Even when Paul stayed in jail for long periods, God used the experience to advance the gospel. So he's saying to his friends in Philippi, let's go back to uh, chapter 1, skip ahead to verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He says, don't worry about it, that I'm in chains. It's serving to advance the gospel, and that's what is the most important thing. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers, and this is a great verse, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul says, look at what's happening. He says, because of my courage in prison, all the brothers are being brothers and sisters, the whole church is being courageous to respond and to preach the gospel fearlessly and courageously. So when we are living in the joy of the Lord, when we are living out and sharing the gospel and doing what Christ has called us to do, people around will gain strength, gain boldness, gain courage to do the same. They see the power of Christ within us. The power, it's not our power, it's the power of Christ within us. So um, we're going to come back to verse 6, because in the context of what we've just talked about, Paul is saying to the Philippians, because they started well, and because they responded to the gospel in such an amazing way, immediately living it out, immediately Uh, being hospitable, hosting the church, immediately uh, preaching the gospel, confirming and defending the faith, Paul says with great confidence, verse 6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in the New Living, I am certain, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So God has begun a good work in each one of you. And this morning, I just want to ask, are you confident? Do you have that assurance, that confidence that God will carry that work to completion because he's faithful. He's begun the work, and what he starts, he completes. We just have to be available. We just have to say, I'm here. I can't do this work in me myself, but I can trust, and in fact, I'm required to trust and to expect that God will complete his good work within me because he's faithful, and that brings him glory. That brings him glory. So let's pause for a minute. And I just want to ask um, the Lord, each, each of us, to just bow before the Lord and ask him, do I trust you, God, that the good work you've started in me, you will carry that on to completion? Do I really trust that? And, and, and if you sense that, no, you don't, then offer that to him. Say, Lord, I'm struggling to trust that you're going to carry on a good work in me. Just be honest with him and listen for his response.
Father, I ask for each one of my brothers and sisters that they would trust your faithfulness. That each of us would trust that you are able and you have said that you will continue the good work because it brings you glory, because you are capable of working in us, even when we feel like we are a lost cause or like we will never get to the place we want to be. Father, forgive us for doubting your grace and your power to work within us. Help us cling to you, to your faithfulness, and may we just be available to you to allow you to do your work in us. And may we respond with joy and respond with obedience as you, as you assure us of your ability to work in our lives. Encourage those who are discouraged, I ask, Lord. May we keep our eyes focused on you. So that's a key question. Do we have confidence that God will complete the work? So keep going back to that verse this week. And every time the enemy brings something to you, say, no, I have confidence that God will carry on his work within me because he has said he will. And the other thing, the other question that really... um, jumps out to me in this chapter one is, is our life shaped by the truth that to live is Christ and to die is gain? To live is Christ. This is, this is Paul's whole philosophy. We see it in verse 21. He's saying to them, you know what, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm out, whatever I'm doing, doesn't matter. To live is Christ and to die is gain. So, so no matter what's happening, as long as Christ is being glorified and people are hearing the gospel, then this is life. This is life. And he goes on, and we don't have time to read the whole of chapter 1, but he goes on to say, after he's saying um, verse 12 to 14, that we said, uh, because of my chains, that most of the brothers in the Lord have become encouraged to speak fearlessly and courageously. He goes on to say that some are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, and, you know, he suffered because of that. But, you know, he says it doesn't matter. He says the gospel's still being preached, and that's the important thing, is Jesus Christ is being glorified. The gospel is getting out there, and so we can rejoice in that. But, I think because we see, even in the greeting of the letter, as I unpacked earlier, he's saying to all the saints in Christ Jesus, remember, saints, that your environment is in Christ. You're living, you're moving, you're breathing is in Christ. And so he's encouraging us, and then he brings it back around in verse 21, uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so let's take a moment and just ask ourselves again, is our life shaped by this truth that to live is Christ? When we wake up each and every morning, is it Christ to live is you today? This is what life is, Lord Jesus. I want my whole day to be bringing glory to you. I want to walk in step with the Spirit. I want to share your word just by, just by living and breathing. What he's doing within us will just exude out of us if we are in Christ and we are allowing Christ to rule and reign in us we will just reflect his glory remember the picture a few weeks ago of we have this treasure in jars of clay and whether we're broken or not doesn't matter the light shines out of the cracks 
We have him in us. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. It's the, it's the air we breathe. The spirit is in us. The spirit is at work around us. And so let's pause and just ask honestly before the Lord, is our life shaped by the truth that to live is Christ and to die is gain? Father, we want our life to be shaped by this truth. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be with the Lord forever and ever. But Lord, we cannot do this apart from your Holy Spirit. So teach us, Lord. Teach us by your power, by your grace to wake up every morning and all through the night as well, Lord. The day, Every day, every night to be just available for you to be working in us, to be shining through us. Lord, may we keep focused on you, I pray. And again, encourage us with the joy, the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Joy is deep. Joy is knowing that you are always on our side, that you have our back, that you uh, are within us and around us. You go ahead of us. You come behind us. We are in you and you are in us. And so we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this truth. Thank you that you um, are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You've started this work. You will finish this work in us. We praise you and we thank you that we can come together as a body to encourage each other in these things. We cannot do it alone. We cannot live this walk alone alone because you've called us to do it together to be a body to reflect your love to one another to spur each other on to holiness to godliness through the power of the spirit so help us be pressing into community with each other help us to be pressing in to listening to your spirit and responding Thank you for this letter. Thank you that the Philippian church was birthed in joy, was birthed in this understanding that Paul had, this experience of his life, your life in him. Father, and the, the response of Lydia, the response of the jailer and the families and all those. Thank you for their testimony that still speaks to us today, the power of your word. Father, we ask that this church, Mosaic Church, would be have that legacy that years down the road people would say someone at that church or that church community because of the joy they had in the Lord because they responded with gladness no matter if there was suffering and difficulty or if it was a time uh, of not suffering although we don't have many of those times Lord there's always suffering and we, we're going through things and it's going to get worse but Father may we uh, leave a legacy Right now and in the years to come, may people look at this church and say, wow, God was so at work and they shone 
with the joy of the Lord. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. There is so much in this book. I, hopefully we can carry it on uh, soon. But go home and, and, and read the letter as a whole uh, this week. And knowing that context and just see it's just packed rich, full with rich truths that you can hang on to. So I am going to invite up Mama Albertine to do a testimony. She has, oh, she's not here. Okay, she wanted to do uh, something this morning, but we'll catch her next week. Okay, so I am going to um, invite up Trisha then. And uh, do you want to just come over here and use the mic over here so I don't unwind it all? <clears throat> you okay? Oh, yeah, sure. I will bring this to you. That's okay. There we go. Good morning. First of all, I'd like to say that um, my voice is uh, a side effect of the uh, COVID variant that I had in July. And I have a couple of other side effects that I'm dealing with, but, you know, it's not painful. It's just weird. Uh, my doctor said to me, I'll, I'll start out with this funny. He said, you know, Trisha, with that voice, he said, if Hollywood decides to do The Godfather 4, you'd be the shoe-in for Don Corleone. <laughs> so, uh, you know... If if this if God doesn't heal me or this doesn't just automatically go away, I may have a career. <laughs> Although I don't think that there are female godfathers. Well, maybe the, <laughs> maybe it's time we had a godmother leading the, leading the pack of gangsters. Well, we did sense that you know God was going to give lots of you new ministries, so well, you never know what He's well, going to do. Well, you never know what's <laughs> coming, right? Uh, so um, uh, first of all. I just want to thank the vision of uh, Pastor Stephanie and Pastor Keith to um, start this ministry that is in the basement. And <laughs> according to Don Corleone, I have a, a proposition that you cannot refuse. Uh, things that you may want are in the basement. Now, what do I mean by that? We have two rooms. Uh, one is a food bank. And um, with various other sundry things like uh, household items, toiletries. And uh, we just um, ask that you would come and take what you need for that week, like two or three things. Because we always have to be thinking about, we are a family here, and we have to be thinking about other needs that are in the church that we don't even know about. I know some of them because people come to me and confide in me their financial uh, situations, and I understand that because I'm one of them. And um, and also across the way um, near Keith's office is a clothing room, and, and uh, Erica has my trusty assistant there. She has called it the um, Guys and Dolls Boutique. So uh, we have women's clothing, men's clothing, and some children's clothing, plus other things. I mean, we're just going to fill it with whatever we have that people might want. Uh, we know that since the pandemic, um, these are trying times for all of us. Uh, food is going up, gas for those of you who have cars, and I, I mean, I just can't even imagine it. And I know for myself that, um, so I just want to give you a little bit of a testimony. 
I am wearing this beautiful cashmere sweater from Scotland that I bought in 1965 when I graduated high school and went on to university. I grew up in an Irish Catholic family and I went to Catholic school, so I always wore uniforms. When I got to university, I became a bit of a fashionista and clothes have always been very important to me. Um, and so this sweater is 54 years old. So I have never had a problem with wearing uh, used things or keeping them or recycling them, whatever. Um, that's, that's just me. But I understand that some people are a little reticent, maybe a little nervous, um, and maybe feel a bit embarrassed that they don't have the money they once had. Maybe you've lost your job. I had a wonderful career in, in uh, professional home care uh, right up until I was 72, and then I had a massive heart attack, and I lost my income, and uh, he lost my health, basically, but God has kept me alive. And, uh, and so I'm so grateful that all these years I've been collecting all these wonderful clothes. Now, my weight has gone up and down, up and down, and some of that is due to the many uh, drugs that I have to be on to stay alive. But I've kept them, and now that I've lost so much weight since uh, my heart attack, I'm getting into my small clothes like this, and so I'm really happy. And so please don't feel that um, if you come downstairs and shop in either one of the rooms that someone is looking at you and saying, oh, golly, they must be really struggling financially. We all are. That's the truth of it, and we don't know what's coming. Pastor Keith has been warning us that things are going to get harder. We have been so blessed in North America um, as far as serving the Lord. We, we don't know what persecution is like, but there are other continents in our world that have always had it. And, you know, we're, it's come, there's coming a time when we're going to face it as well. And I think this is a dress rehearsal for what is coming. Mm -hmm. How do we love each other? How do we support each other? Well, if you're not wearing some clothes, please bring them in. I mean, you know, just bless people. And if you have extra food, things that are on sale, please bring them into our food bank. And, uh, you know, you'll be doubly blessed because you're helping. And, and I think it's a forerunner of possibly things to come. You know, maybe we will, maybe we will lose our jobs because we serve Christ. Uh, maybe we will be ostracized, and maybe we will end up living together like they did in the book of Acts. We don't know, and I'm not making any predictions, but I'm just saying there's something a stirring in this church, and God wants us on the forefront of to to be prepared and, and not to be caught unawares. I, I believe in that adage that forewarned is forearmed. Uh, I just want to thank people who have uh, supported and uh, brought things in, and and it's lovely. And for me, it's fun because I am a Frenchie's addict. I will admit to that, and I don't want to be delivered from it. Trust me. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I have very few things in my life that I really, really love, and that is one thing. And anybody who knows me knows knows that about me. Um, I want to say that. We cannot judge. I mean, my salary last year, because I just have my, my um, pensions to live on, is so below poverty. But I look good. I know I do because I have all these beautiful clothes. But if I'm shopping in the food bank, you know, people might say, well, what's she doing there? Look at the way she dresses. She's been to university. She's had these big jobs, blah, 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 blah. We can't judge other people. The foot of the cross is level ground. We're all the same. 
Yep. We, we, and it's nobody's business what your finances are or what you're struggling with or what you can't afford. I want, and we all want to create, um, Erica and Lorraine who helped me and others as well, uh, just an atmosphere where we can have fun. Why can't mm -hmm. we have fun even though we might be struggling? Yeah. We have to be sensitive to one another and not make judgments because remember, that foot of that cross, it's level. It's not, I'm up here, you're down there, or whatever, whatever. And, and if we really, uh, somebody prayed, I think, a couple of weeks ago, God, break our, I think it was you, Pastor Stephanie, break our hearts with what breaks yours, Lord. Mm -hmm. And if we do, we'll be sensitive to, to what people are going through. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want to read this scripture to you, to leave this with you, because I'm on the clock, two minutes, and I'm Irish, and it's very hard for me to... <laughs> Not to talk. Um, but Luke 3.11 reminds us, if you have two coats, give one to someone who doesn't have any. If you have food, share it with someone else. You know, we may, be, we may have to live together. We may not have jobs. We may, may have to be in some sort of a community. We have to pool our resources. And uh, this would be just a wonderful time to start it. Mm -hmm. I think. Yes. So thank you. And thank you so much to Trisha and Erica and Lorraine and everybody helping. Yep. Thank you just for all the work that you're doing. And the challenges for all of us after the service to go down today. We're going to check out the rooms, go see. Everybody go see what food's in there. Walk, take a walk through. Walk through the clothes. Honestly, we're like totally just bringing in what we have that we're not using. We're no shame, as Trisha said, no shame for anybody, okay? No shame. If you sense that you don't have something in the budget, in your budget to buy and you want a, a new piece of clothing or whatever, go and look, see what you have. So we're all going to go and take a look downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. The Times. Yep. Okay. Okay. So six o'clock on Tuesday night, and then six to six thirty before prayer meeting, and an hour after the service. Um, they're going to be down there just to help you find clothes you might need, sizes, all of that kind of thing. So, blessing. Okay. So, the last thing is, I'm going to put a sign-up sheet, um, prayer meeting sign-up sheet, because some people are saying they're finding it hard to drive in the evening as the it gets darker, and some people want it in the morning. Others say they work in the morning, so they need to be able to come in the evening. So what you need to do here is I'm going to post this over there, and you're going to put your name either in Tuesday morning or Tuesday evening, and that's whichever you prefer. And then check off, though, if you're available for either. Maybe you would prefer morning, but you can drive in the evening, so then just look, put a little check mark there. But if you really mind driving in the evening and you prefer morning, just put your name in the morning. Okay, does that make sense? So your name's either going to go in the first column or the second column, Tuesday morning or Tuesday evening. And then if you don't mind doing either one, you're just going to put a check mark in either so that we know what we're working with because we want to 
uh, be able to accommodate the people that are working and not and, and all the different needs. So I will put that, that at the back. Um, after the service, anything else? That God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for coming to gather together. <laughs>